Hello, peoples, and welcome back to another episode of Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. I am your rootin' tootin' host for the day, Ryan Siebold, coming at you with another I got five on it! Five-minute mini-review. Today's film is 1952's Western classic, High Noon. Directed by Fred Zinneman and written by Carl Foreman, Google has this summarized as... Former Marshal Will Kane, played by Gary Cooper, is preparing to leave the small town of Hadleyville, New Mexico, with his new bride Amy, played by Grace Kelly, in her breakout role, when he learns that the local criminal Frank Miller has been set free and is coming to seek revenge on the Marshal who turned him in. When he starts recruiting deputies to fight, Kane is discouraged to find that the people of Hadleyville turn cowardly when the time comes for a showdown, and he must face Miller and his cronies alone. The film also stars Lloyd Bridges, Lon Chaney Jr., Harry Morgan, who most of us would recognize from MASH, and Lee Van Cleef in his very first role. I'd like to say he's babyface Lee Van Cleef, but nope, looks the exact same. <laughs> so a couple quick things about this film. 1952, remember, was the McCarthy era, where artists were being labeled as communists, blacklisted from the studio system to try and limit their influence over society. Our writer Carl Foreman was one of these, and wrote this film as an allegory about his experience, wherein he went around Hollywood trying to get help and one by one, all his friends turned their backs on him, not wanting to be labeled as communists and blacklisted as well. This film dug Foreman out of that rut as he went on to go write films such as Guns of Navarone and Bridge on the River Kauai. Our director Fred Zinneman went on to go direct films like From Here to Eternity and Day of the Jackal. Cinematic Confession, this is the first time I've seen this movie. A brief chapter out of the Ryan History book, my intro to westerns was from my grandparents, with film starring actors like Roy Rogers and John Wayne. These were films where good was good and bad was bad. They were filled with people in white hats, fringe-covered clothes. Nobody ever got dirty in these films. And these films never really spoke to me. They seemed too basic. Rarely is life so black and white like that. It wasn't until the films of Sergio Leone, Sam Peckinpah, or even Clint Eastwood where I really started to dig my feet into westerns and appreciate them. Cinematic Confession number two, Young Guns and Young Guns 2 were probably the first westerns that I really loved. But even though those films were pseudo-brat pack movies... All those guys were soaked in mud, spit dip into splatoons, visited brothels. They were anti-heroes. And I could wrap my head around that. That was fun to watch. And let's be honest, it felt like the Wild West. This film was the turning point to get us to those films. I was surprised to find out this was less of a straight-ahead western and more of a morality tale. Gary Cooper's character Will Kane is a reluctant hero and a bit of a has-been. As his old nemesis is coming into town on a train at noon, he goes around town asking for help, and one by one, all the townsfolk turn their back on him. Some of the business owners around town even wanted Frank Miller back because the saloons and hotels were busier. So this film kind of plays out as more of a character study, showing the challenges of doing the right thing. In fact, at an hour and 20 minutes long, this film was very briskly paced, by the way, it wasn't until there was only 20 minutes left the villain even shows up for the finale. You never even see this Frank Miller guy. It was almost kind of disappointing, to be honest. He shows up and he's just a regular ass dude and you're like, oh, I think he's got two or three people with him and that's it. No big deal. I don't know why they couldn't have taken this guy out to begin with. They make it out to be like this big, huge fucking deal. Like, no, not Frank Miller. He's crazy. But then he just shows up and he's just a guy. But even then, Gary Cooper's character struggles. It's not this super machismo situation. There's even one kind of funny part where he sits down at his desk right before the finale to write his last will and testament. <laughs> his name is Will Kane. I thought that was kind of funny. But the film was kind of controversial at the time. You know, John Wayne notoriously hated this film. In an interview in Playboy in the 1970s, he said Cooper and the townsfolk were weak, that they should have done the right thing. They all turned their backs and they had, you know, he just wasn't a fan of the anti-hero situation, I guess. He even specifically called out the final shot where Gary Cooper tosses his badge down on the ground and walks away. He said that was disrespectful. 
But Cooper was retired. He was riding off into the sunset with his new bride, Grace Kelly, to go live out his days. And he turns the horse wagon around to come back and go fight for the rights of the people. The people turn their backs on him. He didn't have to be there. He had already retired. Even the new deputy marshal, Lloyd Bridges, that was filling the gap while he was gone, turned his back on him. It wouldn't stand up for the right thing. And everybody was just going to let this Miller guy come back into town and do what he wanted. So who could blame Cooper for throwing his badge down and saying, fuck you guys. This film did kind of bridge the gap with certain themes from the older style westerns. There were some leftovers from that era that I noticed. For example, everyone still felt way too clean to be in the Wild West. There wasn't a speck of sweat on anyone's brow, no dirt on anyone's clothes. Everything was pressed and polished. You know, there's a certain grime that comes along with the films of Leone or Peckinpah that just makes those films seem lived in. It makes the West seem hard and rugged. It makes their hardships seem quite real. Some of these older westerns almost kind of feel like when Marty McFly shows up in Back to the Future 3 and he's wearing that pink shirt with all the fringe on it and he's got the nice white hat with the Nikkei boots. <laughs> also, the music seemed kind of old-timey westerny to me as a throwback to like the days of Roy Rogers, Tumbling Tumbleweed and all that nonsense. This film featured a theme song called Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling, sung by Tex Ritter, who was the dad of John Ritter. Yes, that John Ritter. And was the first Oscar-winning song from a non-musical film. Also interesting to me, this film plays out in real time, with several shots of clocks around town leading up to the titular noon. So this film has literal ticking clocks in it, which is kind of fun. I always like that kind of stuff. It reminded you constantly of when those bad guys were a-coming, and also when the film was going to end. <laughs> now this film is heralded as one of the greatest films of all time. I don't know if I'd put it in that class. I really did like this film though, and I see the appeal. It definitely has a place in the high ranks of film history. All the westerns that I know and loved growing up, couldn't have existed without this film kind of bridging the gap and getting us from there to here. With that said, my three adjectives are breakthrough. This was a breakthrough to better westerns, more in-depth characters, even from an actor's standpoint of the older Gary Cooper to the younger Lee Van Cleef. My next adjective is Zip Zap Zamaroo, which is because I can't say well-paced anymore. I've said it too many times. But in an hour and 20 minutes, we Zip Zap Zamaroo around town. And this movie has a big cast. You go around the entire town and you meet everybody and hear their take on it and why Gary Cooper should pack up and get the fuck out of Dodge with his brand new bride and all of that. You meet his ex, you meet the deputy marshal, you go meet the bartender, on and on. I mean, you go all around town and then you got a standoff at the end at that. So at an hour and 20 minutes, they pack a lot in this film. It never feels rushed. I don't know how they got it all in there. It was really well done. And my last adjective is, should I stay or should I go now? This was a moral quandary. This was not a shoot 'em up straight ahead Western. I was surprised to find that out. I really didn't know what I was walking into, only that this was heralded as one of the greats, and I wanted to see it. I had recently seen Old Henry, which kind of got me in the mood for Westerns. I wanted to see a classic Western, and this was on my list. It was heralded as kind of something a little different than what I was used to. Um, and yeah, I wanted to see what it was all about. So uh, yeah, great film. I'm giving this one a B. Look, if I'm ranking these things on experience, it just didn't give me the full Ryanosity that I want to get out of a film like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, or Unforgiven, or The Wild Bunch, or some of these great westerns that I love, or Young Guns 1 and 2, sorry everybody. But this film got us there, and it was very serviceable. The performances were fantastic. It didn't waste my time. It got in, got out. If I have one complaint, it would just be the resolution. Like I said, the Frank Miller character and the shootout at the very end was a bit disappointing. It all kind of went down very fast. Almost felt kind of tacked on as the big threat was only three dudes. I don't know. We're giving this one a B. That's it for this week's film. Thank you all for listening. Come back next week for another episode of Esoterica Cinema.